0: Talent Economy is a publication of Human Capital Media. For more coverage, visit talenteconomy.io. Also, subscribe to Talent 10X on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or TuneIn. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Talent 10X. I'm your host, Lauren Dixon, also senior editor over at Talent Economy. Joining me is Carissa Myklusak. She is CEO of Tiller, which is a Cincinnati, Ohio-based company that uses skills to blindly match workers with companies. Thank you so much for joining me, Carissa.
1: Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really pleased to be here.
0: Of course. Thank you. So you and I met in person at the Sherm conference back in mid-June, and we talked about all sorts of different topics. But what I thought most about was your work on how to build responsible artificial intelligence. So I'm curious, what are some of the challenges with humans who, of course, have unconscious bias, um, building AI that aims to remove bias? That's an excellent question and uh, a very important uh, and increasingly,
1: I think, thought-about topic. When you're building an AI that's designed to remove bias, there are certainly challenges because every human, whether intended or unintended, just by nature of their background, uh, has certain preferences or unconscious bias uh, that may influence decision-making. That also, however, channeled properly, lead rather to really great innovation in the way that products are designed. So what's important is to when you're looking at a team, for example, that's really going to pioneer a new technology uh, or a managing team that's going to be responsible in early days of machine learning and building AI to influence decisions. That then the machine, if you will, or the AI, are going to repeat in the future. That you have a very diverse group of individuals, so that rather than yell at your team to remove a natural bias, which we oftentimes think of a, a negative word, but here it's really not intended to be. You're creating a true environment of cognitive diversity, where you have people from many different backgrounds and disciplines, and just influences and experiences throughout their life that really vary, that they come together to think about something holistically, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, I understand that having a diverse group that reflects the diversity of the world can then help to build better products to then sell to that diverse group around the world. Are there any other important reasons to build AI that removes bias? A hundred percent. So if we might just Specifically,
1: talk about uh, recruitment for one moment because I imagine, uh, as you just indicated, we could have the conversation about the whole world. When we're thinking about removing bias in recruitment, you know, I believe it's a topic that we've been discussing for decades. How do you really build an environment of inclusion, an environment of diversity, and remove different bias so that you can achieve, as we were just talking about prior, that true cognitive diversity? It's important as different technologies emerge to leverage them to accelerate that process. And with AI, for the first time, we have an opportunity, if we build it responsibly, as we're talking about today, to make that type of, again, be it conscious or unconscious bias and recruitment decisions impossible. For example, uh, perhaps as we have at Tiller, one builds an algorithm that focuses solely on matching on skills, and it doesn't take into account uh, other identifying characteristics that could be used in bias. And so, you know, to answer your question very directly, I think it's really important to build AI that removes bias, because it's a tool that's available to us today that's proven successful in, in solving like problems in other industries. And just as we've always been focused on removing bias uh, with traditional tools and processes in the recruitment process, I think it's our responsibility as HR practitioners to continue that rather lengthy but, but critical journey.
0: So on, on that note of, of Tiller using algorithms to match on skills and no other identifiers, could you take me through how you and your team built Tiller and what you did to make it the most responsible AI possible?
1: Absolutely. And we have an internal joke. Uh, Our CTO uh, and my co-founder's name is Luke. And we joke that in early days, uh, and this is ongoing, as we start to build uh, different aspects of our algorithm, we really have Luke intelligence. And of course, it's Luke plus team uh, before we allow it to become true machine learning and then eventually AI. What that means is that because we are working to help individuals find jobs based on skills we want to make sure that the decisions that the algorithm starts to make on its own uh, reflect that core goal and mission now just to clarify of course with our algorithm we do take into account things like geography the distance that you want to travel your availability the types of jobs that you express that you have a, a preference or interest in working but that core identifier uh, as we talked about prior, are the skill sets that you have. What happens when a Tiller worker goes to work is that both the individual Tiller community member, uh, as we call those individuals that use the platform for work, uh, as well as the client or the the temporary employer, rate the experience. And that rating on both ends strengthens or weakens the decisions that the algorithm makes in the future. So if we reallocate talent in a different fashion than perhaps an algorithm that matches on title and send someone to a new job and a new title that they've never had before and both the worker and the employer rated as a positive experience, the algorithm learns that that was a good match and it tries it again and again and again. During those first matches, we're constantly evaluating The decisions that the ratings are teaching the algorithm to make sure that we have non-biased true responsible ai and a very basic example that we use oftentimes that just makes sense if there is a job that requires you to lift 49 pounds there are many types of people that are built ranging from athletic to not athletic that are able to and willing to lift 49 pounds But if one type of person happens to do it faster than another and it's resulting in a positive rating, that's something that we would want to watch as humans to monitor because we don't want to get into a scenario where a certain type or gender or age demographic is being served a job and perhaps the ratings without human supervision are indicating that it should. So that's a very microscopic example and, again, a very basic example as we're talking about physical attributes and not more complex skills. I just believe it's easy to digest on the types of manual steps and hence why we call it Luke Intelligence or LI at the beginning that we take to really monitor the decisions that the algorithm is starting to make. And then it's through numerous matches and repetitive data points that tell us from both sides of the marketplace that this algorithm has made a good decision and we've got it right, that we finally allow it to become true machine learning and start to move toward artificial intelligence. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, I like that you use ratings. And that's from the employer or from the uh, person who's working the job? Who's rating uh, that match? Both the employer
1: and the person working the job.
0: So both
1: At the end of a shift or at the end of a long-term job, the worker as well as the employer will both rate how they enjoyed the job uh, and what the overall satisfaction levels will. And just to reiterate a bit, a positive, specifically a positive rating by both parties will really strengthen the algorithm as well as the bond between that worker and that company, whereas a double negative rating, for example, would really weaken it. And then through patterns of that happening continually, uh, the algorithm really starts to learn what types of individual to serve exact jobs to. But again, we want to have a very uh, diverse and conscious and intentional team watching over those early automated decisions to make sure that the algorithm is learning to suggest uh, without bias.
0: Sure. And after it has matured, do you think that the process for checking and removing bias is going to end or is that going to keep going?
1: Uh, Well, I think any responsible practitioner of machine learning, AI, in or outside of HR is constantly monitoring not just the decision flow of the technology, but also the social implications and impacts that that algorithm or AI is making, and so I would argue that anyone that is pioneering and managing an AI should have a, a consistent team effort to absolutely uh, do spot checks on decisions, uh, but more importantly, really follow and continue to pioneer or mold, if you will, the development of that AI. You know, there are always new things that you're learning every day. Perhaps Tiller has become really savvy, let's say, in three job categories, but all of a sudden we go into a new market and there's data uh, that shows that adoption around a new category is really taking off. And all of a sudden we're eating is kind of a way to think about it. All these new data points at rapid speed and the technology starts to create new connections or new neurons between different skills and outcomes in this new city and we're right back to, you know, square zero in turn of that learning. And so again, I think it's really critical to make sure that we're consistently focused on monitoring and that you have a good monitoring strategy and interactions, like an ongoing relationship with your AI, if you will.
0: Yes, and What are some of the markers of success with a bias-free AI, and what are some of the never-ending challenges?
1: That's a great and hard question. I think uh, from our perspective at Killer, some of the markers uh, of success are, of course, satisfaction uh, in both communities. That tells a lot because at the end of the day, again, it's not about the impact that you make from a technological standpoint, but the societal impact that you make. And in our case, we're looking to help people not just find jobs, but find new opportunities that perhaps they've never realized they're qualified for and at the same time help employers find a diversified new pool of candidates and a new way to interact. Uh, with the new workforce. And so, you know, one measure is always satisfaction. Uh, the other measure is that you have, for us, a diverse, just as we would talk about traditionally, population of individuals going to work and staying at work. To flip very quickly to challenges, you know, one thing that we can't control is what happens after people are matched and sent to work. And there are, although limited, I'm happy to report in our experience, um, unfortunate scenarios where it becomes very clear that someone is looking for a specific type, be it gender or ethnicity, uh, to work or not work in their establishment. And that becomes very difficult to control when you're simply the matching technology. And so uh, limited incidences of those types of offline impacts i think are an indication of success but also one of the ongoing challenges and so i think i've learned you know early on that the most important aspects of what you build from a technological standpoint are the impacts that it makes in in the real world and the ongoing challenges to really minimize any negative impacts that the technology could make unintentionally and certainly unintentional by the people that are pioneering it, monitoring it, championing it day in and day out.
0: Yes, so you can remove the bias as much as possible from the AI, but then once the worker gets to the employer, they still have bias.
1: (laughs) And some employers do, yes. And I think that the work that we've done over the last, let's say, three decades in diversity and inclusion doesn't stop with this introduction of bias-free AI for recruitment. Um, Again, this is a sourcing, matching, and in Tiller's case, temporary employment tool uh, where we will select, as people are calling it blindly, the worker for the employer and automate that entire process. But yes, at the end of the day, the worker is going to work for someone that, again, like all humans, uh, comes with Uh, certain perceived notions of of what creates success, and so that continued foundational work in diversity and inclusion, along with new advancements in technology, is what's really going to help to eliminate bias or at least continue to diminish it, but I do think that the technology that we're starting to see, technologies like Tiller, help us to advance that curve quite considerably when we look back at the last few decades. Mm
0: -hmm. Awesome. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation, Carissa, and I really look forward to uh, seeing the results of this mature technology, both at your company and also in other uh, sort of HR or matching technologies and how that impacts the workforce of the future. It's
1: been an honor, Lauren. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about an important subject. I really appreciate
0: it. Thank you, Carissa. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Check back next week for more content.